welcome to Porch Wine and Gravy. I'm Joe Limo. And I'm Lucius Fontenot. And today we're going to talk to Susanna Corsi from Tavolino's Pizza and Lounge in Algiers Point. Yep, New Orleans, Louisiana. We also are going to go over our red beans and rice recipe and tell a little story about a one-legged bandit. So stay tuned. <laughs> All right, Suzanne, so you are the owner of Tavolino. I am the co-owner of Tavolino. I own it with uh, Hillary Hanning. And then you have Martins. Martins. I am the owner of Martins, correct? Martins Lounge in uh, in Old Metairie. And we have uh, also Pals Lounge in Mid City, of which I am also a co-owner, along with Rio Hackford and Linda Novak. So, how did you start in? Like, did it started with Pals? I have been in restaurants and bars for, I think, since I was like 23, I guess. I started out as a cocktail waitress because I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to go to cosmetology school. So I got a job at a place called Bira Pretties in Costa Mesa, California, and I had never waited tables or cocktailed or anything, and they were kind enough to hire me and train me up, and, um, and kind of the rest is history. I went on to sort of beg to be a bartender, and after many years, I got to be a bartender, and then I moved to Europe, and I helped some people run places over there in management, and just kind of worked my way up. And then I came back and lived in New York for a while, and I moved to San Francisco, where I was partners in a restaurant in San Francisco called Vinga, which then became Che in Soma, and in the Soma district of uh, San Francisco. And then I came here to house sit for Linda, because I knew her from when I lived in Prague, and she had uh, become a partner in PALS, and she was also running the Matador. And so she wanted to go back to Prague for six months and needed someone to house sit. And I said, well, I can also house sit your bars. I can bar sit. And she did not know that, but she was like, okay, sounds good. So I left San Francisco because it was really crazy expensive after all the dot-coms and all that, and we had closed the restaurant. Um, and uh, I came here and stayed for six months, and then I became a partner in Pals, and then I stayed. And now it's 16 years later, and here we are. And then Martins came up. Was it just an opportunity that showed itself? Yeah, Martins was, is uh, the landlord is a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, and the owner has uh, he's had Martins since 1984, and he wanted to retire. And my friend wanted somebody that he knew would run the bar the way he wanted it run, I guess. And I knew him from Pals, so he asked me to buy that place, and I am just that crazy. <laughs> so I did, and I kept on the journey through that one, which was a, not a major transition, maybe a minor to middle transition. I just kept saying, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And uh, now it's five years later, and that Martins is doing well, and we love it. It's just a little neighborhood bar in Old Metairie, and, you know, continues to evolve. Well, pals I've been to, and it's definitely a neighborhood bar. Yes. I love neighborhood bars. I love neighborhood places. I've worked, I've worked, run the gamut of places to work from casual to fine dining. I worked on a train that went across country in the dining car and the bar. Um, I worked in Eastern Europe. Um, Yeah, New York, San Francisco, whatever. I really prefer casual neighborhood places where you know your customers and you can be um, you know, conversational, it's not so formal, mm-hmm. um, and we have fun, so. 
Oh, this, I guess we can tell everybody that I used to work at Pals, too. A you long did. Time ago. I, I kind of forgot about that. I worked yeah. at the very, very beginning yeah. when they had the, the, remember the parties where I'd like go to close the bar and all yeah. of a sudden, poof. Oh, yeah. And I was then like, wait. all show up at, yeah. at like 8 in the morning. Oh, and my I'm God. like, People what? would dance on the bar. But I lived around the corner. And yeah. I, I actually, I snuck work at Pals because right. remember the rule yeah. at, at the other, the other bar was you were allowed to work and I got caught. And that's why I had to I had to quit because I got I got caught cheating on my other job. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. And then so what would you say? So pals I've been to, but Martine's I haven't. What's the differences? Neighborhood, they're both neighborhood bars. Were there like a different feeling? Um, I mean, we try to sort of have the same type of feeling, I guess. I mean, neighborhood to neighborhood is going to change, of course, mm-hmm. but it's um it's slightly smaller in um, size. And so it's very intimate, but um, it, and it's located in this sort of you know nondescript strip mall of other shops. So from the outside, you it doesn't have it doesn't tell you much about what it's going to be like inside. And then you come in and it's like you've stepped into another world. It's sort of oh, that's awesome. you know it's sort of a little pals over in Old Metairie. It's um, you know it's like an old fashioned New Orleans bar kind of. We and have, do you get like old fashioned New Orleans people in there? You know, we get old-fashioned Metairie people, and we yeah. get we get tourists, and we get people that drive over from New Orleans to smoke. Believe it or not, um, <laughs> they still allow smoking in Jefferson Parish, and uh, so it's it's still a kind of a novelty for a lot of people who want to sit around and drink and be able to smoke in a bar. And some people hate it, and some people love it. And uh, you well, know, now it's like going back in time when you yeah, go there. Yeah, like it you is. just like uh, walking in that open that door and all that smoke comes spilling out. We all remember that, like that yeah. that that smell of your clothes the oh, next yeah. day. And and it it does it smell, is like it, it is. is like that. But and some like I said, some people hate it. And you know, we've got three smoke eaters, and this is all boring information you can edit out later. But <laughs> um, you know, blah blah blah. These are. Um, Fried stuffed olives. I've only ever had them in Italy before, and they're like one of my favorite things. Now, so what are they I, again? they're they're generally called um, olive alla ascolane. Uh, you can look up the spelling, once, but yeah, yeah. Um, and they're from the Marche region in northern Italy. Blah 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 blah. But anyway, and we would go. They're like bar food, pub food a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I've only ever had them there. Every time I go there, I had to get them. And so when we finally decided to do this restaurant, I was like, I'm gonna figure out how to make these. This is smoky aioli. They don't generally serve them with a dipping sauce in Italy. They're just the way they are. But, but you know Americans wanted the dipping sauce, oh, so we came dipping up with sauce. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm a very American that way. I'm like, where's I want sauce. I want dip. I always want sauce or dip with everything. Oh, my God. She's doing these are amazing. What are they stuffed with? Okay. So the story behind these is I didn't know how to make them because in Italy they are, they're a frozen product that you just, like, people don't. That maybe people make them in their homes and stuff, but if you get them out and they tell you in Italy, like if something's frozen, it'll have like an asterisk and it'll say con- they really do congelato. That? I wish they did that. Yeah, here. and it means yeah because they're you know they're very proud over there and they're like this is I'm telling you straight up we didn't make this here, but it's not something that most people make. Yeah. In a restaurant, maybe people make them home. I have no idea. So good. So I didn't really know how to make them. I Google you know I, I researched a lot of stuff, Google a lot of stuff, but decided ultimately that and I tried a bunch of different types of olives. Ultimately, I used my grandmother's recipe for this thing called ping. Okay. So we're Italian. Every, uh, it's tradition, every Christmas you make tortellini and brodo. So you make tortellini. And the stuff that she filled the tortellini with, she called ping. We thought it was a made-up word. I was like, what? Like, I, it sounded Chinese to me, to be honest. I was like, ping, I don't know. And, but we started Googling and found out that it is actually a thing in 
in and around Genoa, where we're from. And um, Dave found like a couple of blogs on it. Other people said that their grandma called it ping also. But essentially, it's a meat mixture of um, beef, pork, sometimes veal. Bind it with, you grind it up very fine, bind it with an egg, parmesan, garlic, maybe some other spices. Mm-hmm. Not much. It's pr- really pretty simple. But that's the recipe. The way the recipe came to me from my dad was just these words. No measurements, nothing. So I just started playing with it. And, you know, we've made it for years and years and years. So um, I, I made it and then piped it into Castel Vetrano olives, which a lot of people will hear this and say, I don't like olives. And I say, just try them because people that hate olives, people that hate olives love these. It taste that olivey. And it's because the Castel Vetrano doesn't have that sort of bitterness, that briny bitterness that yeah. you get with like a queen olive or some other types of olives. And that's why we selected this one. I don't even know that this is actually what they use in Italy. This is a Sicilian olive, and the, the stuffed olives come from northern Italy. But anyway, it doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't taste like the olives that you're yeah. used to. That has They're that like kind of like and salty. They really. It's yeah. not, I wouldn't even know honestly mm-hmm. that it was a stuffed. I, I would have to figure it out. I yeah. have to think about what, what is that. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. so you stuff them, you bread them, you fry them, and they're just delicious, they're really salty good. little nuggets. I've been to Italy before. But Dave had never been to Italy, my husband. And we went there the first time together in 2007. It was to celebrate my parents' 50th anniversary. And we had rented a villa, which was really more like a farmhouse, for a month. So I went for a few weeks. And then he met, came and met us for a week. And it was his first time. And he absolutely fell in love with the pizza. Because if you are used to the pizza that we get in America, meaning Domino's or... Papa John's or even any kind of um, regular kind of American pizza. It's very usually very doughy, bready. Um, at any rate, he fell in love with the Italian-style thin crust pizza. Right. Very thin crust, obviously homemade dough, all this, all I'm this stuff. I'm a huge fan of thin crust pizza. Yeah, and you use the San Marzano tomatoes to make the sauce, so it's very particular and delicious. But he fell in love, and he came back, and he said, I cannot eat any more pizza like here. He started making them, and and he got um, you know this pizza oven. It's not an Italian pizza oven, but anyway, this one that had like a, a what do you call it? The stone that turns around and it goes it goes across right, the flame, yeah. and it's like, but it worked really well. Like it worked really well. So we used that for a long time, and then he was popping up at Martins and doing them. So it got a little bit of traction, but then we had to stop doing the pop up at Martins. And then, um, you know, like then it just kind of fizzled out and we would just do like private pizza parties and stuff at home or make pizza whenever we wanted to. And then Hillary Hanning, I've known for years. She has been also in the bar and restaurant business. She was at Carrollton Station for a long time and then she worked at Mondo for a long time. Okay, I know Mondo. As the um, bar manager, you know, front of house manager, along with Jenny, the general manager. And um, at a certain point in time, she decided to leave Mondo and she just wasn't sure what she wanted to do, so she came over to Martins and helped me for a while, just managing the place. And lo and behold, while we were doing that, while she was helping me over there and working with me, we heard about this place called Vine and Dine. That's what it was, Vine and Dine. Yes. I was sitting there doing the old lady brain. I'm like, too sweet. I'm like, no, that's the coffee shop. Right. So, and we're friggin', I, I don't even know what possessed me, because I had said I never wanted to have a restaurant again. Right. Uh, and then I kept saying before that, before I got pals, I kept saying, I just want to have a bar. I just want to have a bar. I just want to have a bar. And I was like, I was like meditating and chanting on it and putting it out into the world. And then when it happened, I was like, damn, this shit really works. So then I just had bars and I was so happy 
because they're really a lot easier. <laughs> they're really a lot easier. No, I mean, Bailey says I, the same thing. Everyone that has a restaurant, I mean, I just my my respect and admiration for them is so massive because it's so hard. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what possessed us, but we were like, let's buy a restaurant because <laughs> it had a restaurant license. It, it couldn't just voice? be a bar. I did it just in that. <laughs> let's buy a restaurant. <laughs> If I say it high pitched, it would be great. We just, it's like we came over and we just started like coming up with other things and let's buy a restaurant. And it looked completely different. So Yeah, I remember buying um, and dining was remember. very different, okay. yeah. We started with a very concise, small, sort of classic Italian rest, uh, menu. And then as Kat has come on, she worked at Bayona and oh, wow. Mondo and she went to culinary school. We kind of poached her. She was working front of house. And when the first... Um, chef that was working with us decided to move on we thought we'd take a chance and ask her if she would go into the kitchen and we kind of begged and wheedled a little bit and um, you know uh, got down on bended knee and she finally agreed and I can just tell you that it has been the best thing that ever happened to us because the, the basic menu that we all came up with was fantastic and I'm very proud of it. She has taken that and just run with it and embraced like fresh pasta nice. and really getting into, you know, looking at what Italian is. But also we're okay with like going outside the borders of Italian. It doesn't have to be classic Italian at this point. Right. We can take something that is and then add a Cajun influence or, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah, so... Cat in the kitchen is amazing, and she's got an amazing staff that also is very um, embraces like doing specials and and researching and what can we do next and you know getting local ingredients. Right now we have a um, a dish on the menu called sacchetti di ovo. It's a little satchel of egg. It's so it's a, a satchel of pasta. It's almost like you know the the raviolo oh, that you get. The ladies were freaking out about. But if but it was it was cuter and maybe even easier to just make the satchel because you take the pasta mm -hmm. and then you just twist the top, put the egg in with our fonduta sauce, which is a fontina cheese sauce, mm -hmm. and then you poach it, you know, so the egg gets just warm and oozy, and then, oh my God, it looks amazing. It's like the dumb, every, I, we realize, one thing I've learned from the blog and doing a lot of research, it's every single place has its own dumpling. Yeah. It's so crazy, it's, all, it's yeah, like, inner, it's like yeah. that one thing that goes across to all, there's Russian and Slavic and, and I'm like, dude, everybody has their own type of dumpling. Yeah. It's insane. So do you have a lot of people, I mean, it's like a destination restaurant almost kind of. Yeah, Even though it's, yeah. it's a ferry ride, but it's like you get to yeah. kind of, I don't know. I it's was saying, a, I think I like the special trip idea. Logistically, it's not an easy location, right. to be honest, because it is so neighborhoody and at the same time of the neighborhood embracing us and we love them and they come a lot. It still may not be enough business to support us, right. you know. So we do look for those ferry riders, and we do love when our locals in other neighborhoods, mid-city, you know, uh, Bywater, Marini, French Quarter, CBD, come uh, over and make the trip to see us well, because the, thing is, I, the ferry ride yeah. is awesome. It's awesome. It's I know. it's it's not expensive. So and it's the best way, I think, to really, you go across that Mississippi River and you get to see this side. Mm -hmm. And then when you go back, you get to see New Orleans yeah. coming. And it's, and it's the awesome. best view. And it's like, so you actually get like a free, not a free, I mean, it's, it's very cheap though. It's like $2. Like, yeah, $2 a person, $2, right? $2 a person. So you and can you can bring your moped or your bike. So if you want to do that, there's no extra charge and you're able to get around. Like if you want to ride your bike up to the ferry because you don't want to take your car and walk, right. you know, on the park. Or you can park walk and from the French Quarter. It's, like yeah. it's like a concise boat tour. 
Yeah, you, know, you don't have awesome. to just pay all this money. You get a beautiful view. Come eat. Come over here. You can walk the levee. You and can have you lunch. Can, you can have you a can, drink. A couple you can bars. Take it back. Yeah. And then, then you can go have, back. you know, go for a walk to the French yeah. Quarter. And there's always a breeze when you're crossing. It's so lovely. It's not as many, you you know, the really drunk tourist on this side. You know the ones I'm <laughs> yes. talking about. The ones we where you're get, like. We don't get. Uh, you don't get. It's not Bourbon Street over here. It's very quiet. People love it. They come over, they go, this is like being in a real, you know, neighborhood. Like, this is real New Orleans. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's beautiful. There's lots of trees. And, and you've got the river and the levee. And you got two, three bars. And, you know, breakfast place and Tavolino and dry and dock. No big and bones and in their hands and woo <laughs> Right. You remember the bones? No, um, no. no, but uh, no hang grenades. No hand grenades. Yeah. I guess no. we probably shouldn't call that out. No. No. I ask everybody, what is a recipe or a dish yes. that like makes you feel comforted and at home and like something every time you eat it you get that kind of soothing yes comforted feeling and what would that be for you well i mean the ping just because it reminds me uh, it makes me think of my grandma mm -hmm. you know because she contributed and the whole process of creating the olives and getting her recipe from my dad and you know making it up and thinking of all the times we made tortellini at christmas and you know we would do it every year so yeah that's a soup that's like super even though it's not necessarily like a homey dish that's what it makes me think of is family they should do a Susanna Cruzy tour. Think about okay. it. If you go to Martine, yeah. so you start in Old, you're coming in, right? Starting Old Metairie. If you're coming from the airport, yeah, yeah, you can. Even coming from Baton Rouge, Lafayette. Oh, true. Right. All of yeah. it. If you're driving, yeah. yeah. There's other, yeah, right, the right. other part. We yeah. come here. We don't come here often, but we yeah. do. We swear. Get off at Bonneville. Go to go to Martine. <laughs> go to Martine. Get old New Orleans in, like the right. smoky, dot, like neighborhood. I want it's neighborhood. Bar. And we're down the street from the galley, which we freaking love. There you go. See? Have you been to the galley? No. Girl, what is it's it? It's all boiled, like boiled seafood, and and but oh, uh, but other things too. Like they they make lasagna. They have specials all the time. Oh, they're one of they those old veterinary places. Yes. I love those places, yes. like Fezzos and all that, like yes. crazy old crab claw specials and lasagna, fried chicken. Sometimes. So you can get old New Orleans food too. Yes. <laughs> so this is how you start it. You go to Martine's, you yeah. get yourself a cocktail in a nice, yeah, old school neighborhood New Orleans yeah. bar. Go down, get yourself some of the old school food, which yeah. is always going to be good. We can, we can send you to several places. Right. right, and then you come in, and you're, you're going to need a little cocktail in between right. because so from, from you're full. There, you just go down Old Metairie Road, uh -huh. all the way into Mid City. Go to Pals, and you'll hit Pals. At this point, you probably need an Uber. You, yeah, you might want to just Uber the I've whole thing. I've been to thing. Pals. No yeah. one leaves Pals. You have to have yeah. an Uber unless you're walking to your house. Yeah. Uber time. Uber time. And it's yeah. easy to get an Uber in Mid City. Of course. It's super and then, easy. you know, and, and you, you may see me yeah. hanging out at Jamie's porch. <laughs> Why the neighbor's like, what is that crazy and, lady doing? You know, we got we have pop ups at Pals all the time, too. Oh, so so you can get food there. You and can get like a like different a every day. In between. So, you know, you take you your Uber that. to the French Quarter. Yep. And when the French Quarter starts getting on your nerves, which it will which every it time. Will. Yep. When, when you you've need decided. To get a little quiet and chill out time. When, yeah, when you've decided you could no longer have to stop while someone, you know, uh, the gawkers, yeah. <laughs> or see one more ass in one your more face, throw up. Or, or one on more thing to throw up, or whatever else, it's oh like, God. you're done, you yeah. need a breath, you're tired of smelling yeah. all the smells. Yeah. You're like, I gotta get out of here. Or the fact that every bathroom is like, no, you know, 20 minute line. Yes. Then you jump on the ferry, jump on the ferry. which will reboot oh. your brain. You'll get that breeze as a you breeze. cross the Mississippi River. And by the way, if you come in the summer, it's the only breeze you're getting. Yes, of yeah. course. And remember, you can take your cocktail with you. So you grab a little roadie. That's true. You get on the ferry. You enjoy the scenery, the view, the breeze. 
takes about five minutes. Yeah, it's so and quick. Then, then you're there. You're here in Old Algiers. And then you come eat. And come and on have to Tavolino and eat. And then you have your cocktails and your food. Yeah. Fill enjoy. up. Because the food here also price-wise, the which quality you get compared to the French Quarter for the price is true. insanely different. True, true. Yeah. And you're there right you there. It. You're five minutes away from getting back. If you want to go act like a fool, you now yeah. have a full belly and now you can be a fool or you can go do what I do, which is I've now had pasta. I'm going to lay down now and watch Naked and Afraid, and the rest of you people can do the partying. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Suzanne. It's nice visiting you, with you. What a surprise. So nice to see you. I know. Thanks for coming and asking about these women-owned businesses because it's really cool, and we appreciate that. That's pretty and, exciting. Uh, from me, Suzanne, of course, Hillary Hanning, and Catman, come, come visit us at Tavolina. We're here for you. Awesome. I think I'm going to go have some bouillonnaise now. Yes. <laughs> So today's recipe we're going to talk about is a much-loved, can't even, it's a staple of pretty much almost the state of Louisiana. Yeah. And here, 90% of the time, you can find them on Mondays in any town, anywhere in the state. They became a tradition on Mondays because that was laundry day and they sit on the stove all day so that women could go and do their thing while they cooked. Now we just do it because we just, like have a reason to eat red beans. So we are, <laughs> we're talking about red beans and rice. Yay. Now, red beans and rice is a matter of personal taste. Yep. Some people like them thick. Some people like them thin. Some people like Blue Runner. Uh, that's not making beans. That's pouring beans. But you, we can debate about that later. Well, if you're in a pinch. If I'm in a pinch, I'm eating a sandwich. I mean, well, if, you know. If, if you really want red beans really bad and you only have 15 minutes. That's what and you, you live in do. New York City and your mama sent you a can. Or you can just go buy some red beans. They sell them in the grocery stores. Lucius Dry. We're not the only people in the world who eat kidney beans. It's a lot of people. Like, they put them in chilies. Wait, is that their real name? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're kidneys. <laughs> so, we know who the food expert in this partnership is. I just take the pictures. Yeah, they don't have bags of beans that say, just for Louisiana red beans. <laughs> what did you think they were called? I just, I look for the Camellia brand and, and, and it the says beans are red. kidney beans. Know, it says it on the back. I don't pay attention to that. All right. Yeah, they're kidney beans. So guess what? You can find them anywhere. We are preferred Camellia brand here. Wait, so what is white beans? Well, white beans, there's navy beans, there's lima beans, there's white, you, there's, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot. It depends on which white beans you want. Uh, I guess that's for another show. Okay. There's northern white beans. There's what you see now. You got me going off on white beans. We're not talking white beans. That's another recipe. Back to red beans. Back to red beans. So red beans <laughs> and rice. It is. A, it is massively left tradition here. And I've probably already said that. Anyway, I prefer my beans slightly thick. Half of them smashed. I don't like it when it's the each individual bean because I like how red beans will get wonderfully creamy if you like smash half of them against the pot. Yeah. And that's kind of my trick to my red beans. I also have a wonderful trick that I love that people don't always ask me why my red beans are so flavorful. And it's not just that I cook them with meat and ham hocks. What I actually do is I make a ham hock stock that I'll usually make the night before. I'll have it in the freezer. And this is the easiest thing you can do. You take a crock pot, and if you don't can't find ham hock, smoked meats, or any smoked ha- pork, pork products, 
throw them with some water, some veggie ends, put it on low overnight while you sleep. When you get up, there's ham hock stock. Makes a giant difference with your beans. Super cheap. And um, since you can look up the recipe on the blog, I usually am going to do an overview of it. You know, I do, it's red beans that are soaked. And while the red beans soak, I make a ham hot stock. It's kind of the best way to do it. you got to soak the beans anyway. Right. And that's just in regular water? Yeah. Just regular water up above the top and usually overnight. And so usually what it is, I put my beans on, I put my stock on in the crock pot. So my beans and my stock. So when I wake up, they're both ready to go. Some people say don't soak beans. I don't believe in it. I soak my beans. I, I think it makes a difference. And my grandmother did it, so I do it. I don't know. It's one of those things. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't fix what's not broken. Right, if my mom did it. And so after you take your beans, you drain them out. Don't cook them in the soaking water. I mean, what was the point of soaking them? You know what I mean? Anyway, so you take them, you drain them out, let them sit after you let them sit. And then I just take my onions and my bell pepper and my salad, a little the trinity with the garlic cloves. Right, right. I heat some oil up. I take those and I cook them down because I don't like raw vegetables in anything usually unless I'm eating something raw. I think you cook them down to get that flavor out. That's me. I cook all those down. I add my seasonings. I usually use, you know, I have my own Cajun seasoning that I make from scratch that I have in my pantry. Mm-hmm. You can um, use my recipe. You can go buy, there's like 8,000 Cajun and Creole seasonings now. So, And some people poo-poo on it, but the truth is if you like it and it's good, why not make your life a little easier? Right. And, I mean, there's so many. I think Bruno's is the real popular one right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's so many. There's Slap Your Mama, Tony's. Just you go buck wild. Buy them all and see which one you like the best. There's Carmelita's that has no MSG. Anyway, I'm going off on Cajun season. Oh, yeah. And Tony's just came out with a no salt one. So well, Tony's spice. will be fine, but Tony's is the go-to. But there's, there, believe me, your choices are vast. So I do my seasonings, my pepper. I take my beans and put them in. I usually mix it up. And all I do is put my ham hock stock to about an inch above, kind of just like when you soak the beans. Right. And then I cook them real low and slow. I would say, you know, it usually takes, what, about an hour and a half to two hours? Sometimes two and a half. I don't know why. It just you have to keep them at a little perfect simmer. I go check because sometimes you have to add liquid because sometimes it'll go down really fast. About every 15 minutes, if you are scared of that, you put them in the crock pot. And then when you get home, you can cook it down. Mainly, you want your beans to get soft is what you're going for. Right. These cook great in the crock pot. <laughs> These cook great in the crock pot. <laughs> Not oh. the crock pot. Oh, my God. I when, Right when they're done, right when they're soft, I will go and I'll smash up the beans on the side. And I do about half of the beans, and then it makes this nice creamy texture. Yeah. And I put my ham hocks back in that I cooked the night before, and they'll usually at this point fall apart. And so it has all this beautiful pork shredded through. Also, if you wanted to um, do sausage, a lot of people add sausage to it. I usually do the ham hocks and then I'll grill sausage on the side. Or and I, actually, I put the ham hocks back in, I put the sausage in, and then I grill <laughs> sausage on the side. Yeah, I want to be honest. Right. Cause... Mine is very meat-based beans. And I serve it with uh, rice. Excellent. But I can eat beans just with a spoon out of the pot. Yeah. That one being obsessed. I think in general around here, like, we love beans. I know. We love all the beans. Beans Black eyed peas. peas. (laughs) Petty paws. I can, like, list beans. White beans. Red beans. Black eyed peas. Petty paws. Field peas. I mean, the fact that Popeye's, 
has red beans should tell you how popular beans are here. We do love beans. Well, and beans are a great choice because they go far. I mean, if you can afford ham hocks and a bag of beans and, you, and say you can't afford sausage. You can eat it for a week. You can... You could feed a family for a long time. The bag of beans is not that expensive. The reason, like, the ham hock stock is great is the ham hocks have meat in them, and they have great flavor, and it's like $4 at the most for a package. So for less than, I'd say, 6 or or $6, you make a meal for the whole entire family. I mean, and if you have extra money, you go crazy. You get extra sausage and stuff. But red beans is, and it's so heartwarming. It is a crop pot friendly meal. It's a family friendly meal. It's a budget friendly meal. It is a traditional Louisiana meal. It is awesome in the winter. It is awesome in the winter. People who make it in leftovers into soup. You know, we do some crazy stuff with some red beans. So go make some red beans. Yeah, go do some laundry and make some red beans. Or skip the laundry, drink wine, and make the red beans. Either <laughs> one. For this recipe, you can find it at uh, porchwineandgravy.com. You can also find other recipes if red beans aren't your thing, but, uh, you know, they should be. So you got some stories from uh, your time working... I know, Decatur I'm, Street I'm gonna have to do a rant sooner or later. I'm doing a lot of stories right now, but I guess it's just time right now. Well, think. what's the difference between a story and a rant? Because the all, the stories kind of end in rants. Or well, turn into... I mean, a rant is based on more things that aggravate me or I don't like. Or oh, so it's all the stuff I cut out. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, my story's more rants too. That's true. You just cut out the parts <laughs> where I rant about people. I just don't make a whole new thing about it. But this is, yeah, this has been more stories, but this is the one of my favorite, favorite. I worked on Decatur Street in New Orleans for a really, really long time. And a lot of things. And I have a lot of stories from those days. But this is absolutely one. And I always say this is like the telephone game. Like, this is a story that's been passed down. But it happened in front of Molly's. And it has, it, it's up there with definitely one of the best Decatur Street stories. And, and one of the best that expresses what exactly was wrong with New Orleans at the time. So it's, you know, a typical day on Decatur Street. And it's not busy. It's during the day. And bartender's there. There's some regulars at the bar. And there's an older gentleman who was sitting at the end of the bar and got his change. And he lived on a fixed budget. They had these little apartments down the street for senior citizens in the old days. Now I'm sure they rent for $7,000 a month. Oh, yeah. Sweet old man. Smuggled a bit of urine. But, you know, he's awesome. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) hey, you know what? You live that long... You be you. Uh, yeah, you look I shouldn't be judging you. If you're 80-something years old, I hope I hope that you are allowed to go wherever you want. And we're just all got to shut up at that point. So he's sitting there, and uh, he's sitting there, and he's drinking, and he'd left his money. He's elderly. He was not paying attention. And the bartender notices that the money is gone. And right before he noticed it, a man had come in that was kind of a local vagrant. We don't know. I remember him used to come to my bar. A little troublemaker, vagrant, we don't know. You know, you never know where they go when they But he was very memorable because he had one leg. Okay. He was one leg and he was on crutches. Alright. And so he was the one legged man. 
And I saw him in all these different areas downtown and in Lake the Marini. So I don't know where he actually lived. Yeah, so the one leg didn't stop him. He got around. <laughs> no, he got around quick. <laughs> so the one-legged man had come in, and then the money went missing. And it was like instant. So this bartender luckily <laughs> noticed, goes running out the door, obviously catches the one-legged. <laughs> the one-legged. Because he's not that fast. <laughs> he's still on one leg. Right. And he starts yelling at him, you know, that he'd taken the money, he needs to give it back. The one-legged man is insisting he did it to leave him alone sure. and, you know, uphold whatever, you know, it's, it's a fight. Well, you know, you can't really punch a one-legged man. No. Really not. No. While there's another patron, obviously, had also called the police to report this. So, I, <laughs> this is the best part of the story, and I hope to God this is always true. That bartender being a genius... Which since then has actually passed away. So I love that this is his. Uh, I don't know. This is this is what he's given to the world. Because I can't imagine how beautiful a brain is that thinks of this. Leans over, grabs the one like a man's crutches. He still has a leg. He's not falling. Right. Grabs the crutches, and in that perfect divine moment, a New Orleans garbage truck <laughs> comes just slowly rolling by. Because it's Decatur Street, you can't go fast. Right. In this beautiful bartender. Sees the garbage truck, takes the crutches, throws them into the back, and says, where are you going to go now? Oh, man. And (laughs) according to everyone, the one-legged man, still in shock and all, has realized the gig is up. So then turns around and hops away. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't chase after him, even though he did have that elderly man's money. Because, you know, you don't want to tackle a one-legged man. And best part of the story is so they're like sitting there like yelling at him and then all the cops show up. So I've called the police officers in New Orleans and one cop has shown up four right. hours after I called. This strange fateful day they call about a one legged thief and like six cop cars show up. And, and they're all like, Really? Like, we call for armed robberies <laughs> and it takes y'all hours. This is all New Orleans by the way. We call about a one legged man? stealing from a 90 year old man and this is how many show up and then he says the police officer said well can you tell me what the suspect looks like and he's like yeah he's got one leg and he's hopping that way is it gonna be really hard do you think to identify how many one-legged men do you have hopping away I don't know if he I know I know he got caught I think the the elderly man got his money back he was actually a thief I'm sure if anybody's mad at me about this story, <laughs> crutches are not hard to get, and I'm sure they were replaced. But you have to admit, there's nothing better than the visual of a garbage truck and these crutches just flying through the air. Oh, wait. What? Is is that the dude that we saw outside of that I know, bar? No, that's why we were outside that bar in New Orleans. And I pointed at him and I said, there he is. I told you I wasn't making it up. <laughs> and it was, and he was begging for money. Uh-huh. And you were like, what? And I was like, that's the one-legged bandit. And he had crushes. Again. And he had crushes. See, he got no crushes. But he was begging for money. And it was another <laughs> local that had grown at the same time. was like, get away from me, man. Because I know who you are. Oh, because man. he was a thief. He was a thief. He was a one-legged thief, but he was a thief. Was I don't thief. know. Maybe that's how he lost the leg. I man, how brazen do you have to be? Like you're, you're obviously handicapped. I mean, not in a. Lucius, he hopped of... away with one leg and no crutches pretty quick. He may have been. He was. He was skinny. 
Man. And he's probably got a really strong leg. Wow. And I think you also have the benefit of people tend to not want to say something when you are like Or disabled. hit you or tackle you or, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> All the things you kind of deserve. So you've got kind of an out, except when you do it too many times, people kind of get over the whole, yeah. the whole missing a leg thing. Because, you know, you're a thief. The one-legged so bandit. you can go to New Orleans, and I'm swear to God, look for the one-legged bandit. He's still there. <laughs> Just don't take his crutches. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for today's show. If you need to look up the recipe, you can, uh-huh. you can go to com. So I wish you some time on a porch, a little bit of wine, and lots of gravy. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>